This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com. From a lame duck extraordinary session to the ramping up of the 2020 presidential campaigns, 2019 was a busy year in Wisconsin politics. I'm Jesse O'Poyan, and this is Wedge Issues, a Cap Times podcast about state government and politics in Wisconsin. I popped down to the Capitol Square this week to catch up for a little bit with our state politics reporter, Brianna Riley. We recapped the biggest stories that stood out to us from 2019 and talked about what we'll be watching for in 2020. Brianna, thanks for stepping away from the Capitol uh, to join me here across the street. Yeah, thanks for coming downtown for this. I appreciate it. I will take any excuse to come downtown. <laughs> I miss working out at the press room in the Capitol. It's like the be- most beautiful office in the world. It really is, yeah. And luckily, we haven't... My desk is right by the mice, I guess, where the mice it, come in. It is, I guess. I have not seen any mice yet this year. That's so good. fingers crossed that this continues for at least another, another couple weeks, Yeah, you know? You know... So you have my old desk, um, which, yes, is right next to the hole where the mice come in. And I actually never saw a live mouse the whole time that I was there. But a very large mouse was captured in a trap underneath my desk. Um, so I did see that one. <laughs> and I wish for you to see no mice in the coming months and years. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> like a, a wish for 2020. Um, so we're going to talk about the year that was and what we're kind of watching going forward. And it's kind of funny uh, because I was still uh, doing the job that you're doing now at the beginning of 2019 and kind of halfway through the year, um, stopped doing that job and now <laughs> do opinion things. But you were covering stuff for Wispal before you came to the Cap Times. So we were both covering a lot of things at the beginning of the year. And, and now you're just the one here who does it all the time and you're like the expert now. <laughs> well, it's interesting because when looking back, I forgot how busy it was the, the very beginning of the session with all of these legal fights over the lame duck December 2018 extraordinary yeah. session laws. Um, I mean, lawsuits were flying as early as January. It was, it was. It's true. Like we started the year with fighting and it feels like another lifetime ago. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. It, it feels like we've continued the fighting, though. The so. fighting has not stopped. A nice constant theme. <laughs> <laughs> Wisconsin politics. We're in a fight. <laughs> Uh, that's going to be the theme I feel like for this conversation is like when we were sitting here trying to come up with what were kind of the biggest stories from the year basically everything just turned back to partisanship and disagreement and not getting things done um so as you said we started the year with the lame duck session um now did you have to stay overnight for that I was actually, conveniently enough, on vacation. Oh. Well, I, I thought, you know, taking the beginning of December off for a couple of days would be a sure... Everyone you know, thinks, yeah. yeah. I think you'd be safe, mm-hmm. but no, I, I didn't have to cover it at all. And for you, weren't you on vacation for part of that time as well? I was on vacation for part of that time, too. <laughs> yes, this is the thing. You, there is no time for vacation no. on, the, on this beat. No. Um, yeah, I was on vacation, and I got back 
Oh, I came back early to cover it. That was a poor choice. You're a more dedicated reporter than that. No, <laughs> that was a bad idea. <laughs> um, so I did end up staying overnight, and that was not my first overnight at the mm-hmm. Capitol, but I imagine it may have been my last, as my job does not require me to do that anymore. Um, so, like, flashing back to that, that this was an effort by Republicans in the legislature to roll back a lot of executive power. And they said it was because the executive had become too powerful, um, but Democrats interpreted it as you're going to try to take away Tony Evers' powers because he's a Democrat and, um, you know, Republicans hold the majority in the legislature and don't necessarily want to work with them. Uh, so what's the fallout been from that? Well, it's been interesting. Um, that was... After that was passed by both chambers and signed into law by then Governor Scott Walker, uh, we even saw um, as soon as end of the year interviews um, the, that following week, um, Democrats lamenting, um, the, I guess, the, the nature of how the, those got passed. And then continuing into 2019, you know, with, with divided government, it's been interesting to see those laws playing out because we've had issues, for example, about the language that gave the legislature increased oversight of the attorney general, specifically in having a sign off on settlement agreements before the state can move forward with them. We saw that play out a lot in the latter half of this year, around August is when it started. But there's been a lot of drama as Attorney General Josh Call, a Democrat, has sought to settle cases, but has had to go to the Joint Finance Committee first for approval, which is run by Republicans. They won't sign non-disclosure agreements, so Josh Call doesn't want to give them the details about settlements. Um, we ended up settling one case that was very unusual and, and not, you know, not not typically what we see in this area. Mm-hmm. But um, but truly, the, the the year as we've seen it so far has been kind of eclipsed by that action in December 2018, and we're still seeing it play out as the various court cases you know, kind of fell fell off in the spring. Um, and then we have, you know, this issue now. So so it, it didn't just happen and go away. It's basically kind of colored every interaction that takes place in the Capitol, mm-hmm. it seems like. Does it feel to you at all like uh, anything is being mended or any relationships are healing since all of this? Or are we still kind of where we were same time last year? That's tough to say. Um, I would think that... When talking to Democrats about it in end-of-the-year interviews this year, they they don't see it as having gotten any better. Um, they do acknowledge that there has been bipartisanship, bipartisan areas of agreement on certain bills that have passed through the legislature and been signed by Governor Evers. But talks between the legislature and the, the executive have basically broken down. You yeah. know, there is no communication between those two branches. So we're looking at that too. And, and especially, you know, observers are just kind of, <laughs> they're kind of put off by the lack of conversation there. Yeah. It's hard to get anything done if you're not sitting down at a table and having a conversation about it. One of the other holdovers, I think from the previous year, um, that's keeps coming back up in the news because it's going to for years and years is Foxconn on uh, the agreement that was entered by Republican Governor Scott Walker and a Republican-led legislature with only a few Democrats on board supporting it um, that is now Tony Evers' project to shepherd through. What's what's the latest on Foxconn, and what have, how have we seen Tony Evers approach this project uh, maybe differently than Scott Walker did? There's been a lot of conversation about Foxconn this year. Um, at various points during the year, Foxconn has changed the scope of the agreement or said that they won't be um, producing certain screens or that the size of their facility would be 
different than what they had originally proposed under the contract. Um, this actually came out, you know, the latest in all of this came about, well, this week with the, the, the LAB audit. Right. <laughs> uh, which showed that a problem that they identified a year ago is still there. Exactly. Like. That um, workers who are laboring out of state for Foxconn could still be counted in the overall job totals that Foxconn submits to the state to qualify for tax credits. Um, so that was, as, as you mentioned, an issue that was brought up in the initial audit last year. But it, it looks like that while um, WEDC Secretary Hogan at the time said that they were taking care of it, LAB identified this as a potential ongoing issue. Um, so that happened. And then last week, The Verge, um, a tech website, yeah. <laughs> reported um, this very extensive, did this very extensive report um, looking at what seems to be months of documents um, from the DOA head, Joel Brennan, with WEDC officials and Foxconn, basically urging Foxconn to agree to renegotiate the contract to re- reflect the changing scopes of the agreement. Um, Foxconn initially, it turns out, back in spring, had offered to renegotiate and sought, sought doing that with the state. But since then, they've been kind of reticent to engage in those talks. Yeah. So, so uh, another area maybe where communication is not as strong as it could be. <laughs> maybe communication is the theme. Yeah, maybe this is the, the like, we, so our, our coworker, Lindsay Christians, our uh, food editor and arts writer, um, has this thing where every year she sets a word for the year and it's like the word to live by. And um, this seems very ambitious to me, but maybe the word for the capital in 2020 should be communication. I love that idea. Yeah. <laughs> so moving away from Foxconn, when we sat down to try to figure out what we were going to talk about today, we looked to see what some of our most popular stories were on the Cap Times website over the last year. And marijuana dominated everything. There were, what, like five weed stories in the top 10 for the year. And yet... Nothing's really changed here in Wisconsin. Um, where where are we on marijuana? Yeah, this has been a topic <laughs> of conversation forever, it seems like. Um, at some point during the session, um, Assembly Speaker Robin Voss indicated that he would be, you know, interested in leading the charge on or having a conversation about medical marijuana. marijuana. Yeah. But later, he told a TV reporter in the fall that he would only be open to legalizing it in pill form. So we initially, back in September, I I believe, saw a bipartisan bill, um, mostly led by Democrats, but still had Republican support, come out that would legalize medical marijuana, um, but also allow people to to smoke it. Mm -hmm. Um, We later saw a bill after Speaker Voss's comments about it being legal only in pill form from Republicans that would only allow it to be legal in pill form um, if it's some sort of cream that you can apply to your skin or whatever. Anything but smoking it, basically. Yes, pretty much anything but smoking it. So I don't think any, you know, Senator Fitzgerald Fitzgerald very quickly put the kibosh on that idea. Mm we're not likely to see any action on that um, for probably a few more sessions to come. But yeah, it's been a it's been a really big story because we're seeing all of our our neighbors, um, Illinois to the south, mm-hmm. Michigan, um, you know, both pursuing recreational, while Minnesota does have a very limited but still legal medicinal marijuana program. Yeah, everyone around us basically. We're kind of an island at this point um, to have nothing. We do have CBD, but that's it. And and Governor Evers in his budget 
tried to do uh, a couple of things with marijuana. He tried to legalize medicinal marijuana, but also wanted to decriminalize possession of small amounts of it. Um, and that's something, an idea that has had some bipartisan support in the past, too. But none of this stuff has really taken off. And it kind of seems like um, we're slowly inching toward something. But as long as the Senate uh, contains kind of the members that it does right now, it's not going to get anywhere past that. Um, but it was interesting to see that, that that bill that was that Republican bill that was introduced uh, also didn't really seem to get a lot of support in the assembly, even though it met a lot of the criteria that had been listed before. Um, but I think the pressure is going to kind of continue to mount as this is like a pretty popular position uh, to support some sort of legalization or to support medicinal marijuana and states around us are doing this, but Wisconsin's not there yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mentioned the budget, which was another big story, which was actually kind of the time period when you came over to the Cap Times. Sorry, I had to just leave you the budget <laughs> um, to cover. This was an interesting uh, fight to see play out because you know, the the previous budget that we covered was under Republican leadership all the way around, but also had a lot of friction and and some challenges in getting passed. And it did not get any easier when a Democrat got into office and Republicans maintained control of the legislature. So Tony Evers introduced a budget. It was described by Republicans as kind of a liberal wish list type thing. Um, I think Evers was pitching it as some compromise document. And then by the end of it, there was talk that he may veto the changes that Republicans sent him. He did not. They found some agreement. So what did he end up getting out of that budget and what did Republicans do to change it? (laughs) It was interesting going into that budget because we were taking bets. I'm sure everyone was taking bets about how long it would drag Mm -hmm. past the end of the fiscal year. Um, And... Because it went months past the fiscal year oh, yeah. last year, it wasn't last until time. The end of September that Scott Walker signed the, the the previous budget into law. So I was thinking, you know, I can't take vacation until December. Totally. You know? <laughs> and maybe that's too optimistic. But, Definitely. But honestly, it, it, it passed both houses of the legislature before the end of the fiscal year. And it was signed by Governor Evers, I believe, July 3rd. Which is pretty much something close to as close to on time as you can get. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I just remember looking at that and talking to people at the time, and everyone was so everyone thought that maybe that signaled that we could have a very productive bipartisan mm-hmm. session. Um, you know, not to undermine that accomplishment because it it is huge that it was done so quickly. <laughs> it is, um, and that you know there were seventy eight partial vetoes that Governor Evers issued, um, but he did not, as you said, veto the entire document, which was. You know, another thing that that really heartened people yeah. that we weren't, we, you know, joint finance can have to come back in and try to sort through all of this. But, yeah, I mean, I think there's the, there's the perception that Governor Evers may have put out a, a liberal wish list. Yes. But he he did force Republicans to meet him halfway mm-hmm. um, in in kind of bridging the gaps between what he wanted and what they were willing to compromise on. Right. So um, there was a lot of action on that front and the, the compromising sort of sort of field but yeah I think you know education transportation those are some of the issues where in theory you can get some compromise but you know no one's ever super happy with what they get at the end of the day Uh, but that's where we probably saw the most compromise right in the budget and and it's still worth noting that democrats ultimately did not vote in favor of the the budget bill in either chamber that's right although the governor did sign it into law ultimately and now everyone wants to claim wins and losses over what they did or didn't get. Um, back to that partisanship, which just keeps coming up. 
This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. This was, I, I think, uh, this feels like ages ago to me for some reason, but another story that popped up on the top 10 list that seems sort of like a, a blip on the radar now looking back over some of the fights that the legislature has had is uh, Governor Evers decided to fly a rainbow flag at the Capitol uh, for Pride Month. And I mean, I get to have opinions now. I thought it was pretty cool. It looked nice, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, not everybody felt that way. And it generated a little bit of attention and a little bit of pushback. Yeah, there were some very um, conservative Republicans in the legislature that that had some very public pushback on Twitter. Um, but it's interesting because this kind of reminds me of the fight over the holiday Christmas tree. Totally. Evergreen. <laughs> yeah. It's like these very symbolic gestures that Governor Evers is trying to do mm-hmm. um, to signal, you know, to his supporters that, you know, he's he's there for them. He's advocating for them, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but they're generating a lot of pushback from from the other side of the aisle. That's Especially a really good place point. The, place, uh, the, the evergreen tree debacle. <laughs> no one ever you want to call, call the tree. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a really interesting thought because it's th- these are things that don't really have any impact on policy at the end mm-hmm. of the day. What what you call the tree in the Capitol or or what flags you fly um, at the top of it, but. Uh, they do mean a lot to people who feel passionately about these issues on either side, and uh, they end up kind of stirring up a lot of feelings and, and tweets. It's always tweets. Uh, and page views in our <laughs> in case. That's true, so and page views. So, yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> true, very true. Um, you know, on, and on a more somber note, um, when we did look at our page views, uh, there was a lot of attention. And this is, I think, actually kind of heartening to see that this is an issue that that people do want to read about. But our colleague Caitlin Farrell did a lot of reporting over the past year uh, about the way that the Wisconsin National Guard handles uh, allegations and, and cases of sexual assault. Um, there ended up being an investigation pretty recently. I talked to her about this on my last podcast about the stories that she was doing. Um, and this ended up culminating with the adjutant general, the, the head of the National Guard here in, in Wisconsin, resigning. Where, where do you see that story going in 2020? Um, you know, obviously, Caitlin will be doing a lot of, a lot of reporting on that. That's what her fellowship is, is for right now. But um, what, what are you watching for, I guess, in terms of how the state's going to handle this? Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see Wisconsin officials, but also Senator Tammy Baldwin just kind of respond to all of this. Um, Senator Fitzgerald has also been really involved in, in, in all of this. So with him, you know, running for Congress and, and then presumably making it to the U.S. Mm-hmm. House, maybe keeping an eye on what he does on this issue from from D.C. would be yeah. really interesting, too. But it, it's interesting when we talk about this, because when you know, when we were looking back over these these, you know, well performing stories, we saw kind of an equal interest in both Caitlin's four part series mm-hmm. from was that May? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. From May. And also the more recent reporting, too. So this is clearly an issue that people really kind of honed in on six months ago and they're still they're still interested in getting the follow-ups now so that, that that's just really heartening from my point of view yeah, because definitely Caitlin's spending so much time on it yeah um that it, it it is important and people are are realizing how important it is yeah you know i think we we see some of these 
heavier topics that you know require a lot of digging and follow-up, thinking about the Toma VA over prescription scandal, thinking about Lincoln Hills and the problems there. They do eventually lead to action and policy, and it's encouraging, I think, when you see that the public has an interest in, in keeping an eye on that, I guess, and holding legislators to account and, and looking to the media for updates on it. So you mentioned Senator Fitzgerald, Scott Fitzgerald, is running for Congress, um, very likely not anything standing in his way from getting there, uh, which is going to be interesting in a number of ways. One, to see what he does in Congress, but two, to see how that changes the dynamic in the state capitol. So coming off of 2018, we obviously had uh, what you would probably call a blue wave in Wisconsin to a degree. We had Democrats sweeping state state offices, but obviously the legislature remained the same. Uh, but we kind of started to see that maybe recede a little bit, maybe like the tide is to try to figure out this water metaphor, like the tide is receding or something. Um, in in spring elections this past year in judicial races. So catch us up on what happened in, in that race and what's coming up besides the obvious in 2020, which we'll get to next. Yeah, the state Supreme Court race was one that a lot of people were watching because if Democrats or liberals if we're a liberal justice, I suppose we should Democrats. we should know that these races are nonpartisan. They are nonpartisan, technically. Exactly. <laughs> um, if a liberal justice had won the seats, liberals on the court could potentially be vying for a majority this coming cycle. Mm-hmm. So in April of 2020, um, that did not happen. Mm. Judge Newbar ended up losing, but that just kind of really put an interesting spin on how people are viewing the the court race now in 2020 Mm -hmm. because it's so the race obviously still matters but it's not about control of the court anymore Um, right and it's it's also it's also notable because that election the reason people were watching it so closely um is because it lines up with the democratic presidential primary right um so the the idea was more democrats would be turning out to vote to vote and that would give or that would bolster the chances of a, a liberal contender um maybe making it to the state supreme court so you know it's unclear what we'll see coming up but that was a really big deal last year. Yeah, that, that last I mean, one. there's a lot of national attention on that race, a lot of national money coming in on that race. That, that race was was very interesting in ways that others haven't been, um, and I'm kind of curious to see what happens in, in this upcoming one. We've also got two congressional races, Fitzgerald running to replace uh, Jim Sensenbrenner. Seems like he's on his way to do that. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Sean Duffy's district, which is also pretty darn likely to go to the Republican candidate, but they've, there's a primary up there. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Tiffany, another state senator who's going to be leaving the legislature to do this, uh, but he's running against Jason Church, who's a, um, a veteran, worked for Ron Johnson for a long time, has a really compelling story, but it does seem kind of like a lot of the mainstream Republican support is probably going in Tiffany's direction. Um, Sean Duffy just endorsed him. Yeah. Scott Walker's endorsed him. <laughs> uh, that'll be an interesting one to watch, too, for primaries. And then, of course, we have the presidential election and the DNC coming to Milwaukee. You excited? Oh, yep. I can't wait. <laughs> I have to cover a lot of rallies. That's right. Yeah. So do you think, how much do you think Wisconsin's still going to matter? Do you think Wisconsin's primary is going to be as crucial and, and heavily watched as the Republican primary here was in 2016? I definitely believe it. Yeah. You know, and I, this is probably for my own benefit, too. Because right. I want, <laughs> I want people to read my stuff. But yes, I... It, 
everyone you talk to still, even even on the campaign side of things, they're really, you know, paying close attention to Wisconsin. So it'll be really exciting to see us kind of get the attention we deserve this cycle. Yes. <laughs> it was kind of a surprise last time the way that the Republican primary ended up kind of coming down to Wisconsin being the, the last state to potentially, you know, reject Donald Trump and 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 it did and it still, you know, didn't didn't matter at the end of the day. Um, whereas yeah, Democrats didn't really seem to spend as much time here, Hillary Clinton famously did not, you know, come back after she uh, campaigned here in the primary. And I think a lot of Democrats are determined to not be accused of ignoring Wisconsin this time around. And the convention is going to be really fun to have this in our backyard and kind of see, you know, I think Democrats talk a lot about setting up an infrastructure from that convention that benefits the party throughout the state, you know, for a long time after. So I'm uh, sort of curious to see how that shakes out and what that really ends up looking like. What else are you watching for in 2020? Lots of stuff going on. Um, so the legislature will be in for probably three months, definitely January and February, maybe March. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to figure out which bills that they're able to, or interested in, able to have the appetite to, yeah. to pass. And then what Governor Evers actually ends up signing into law. So we have a bunch of task force stuff still going on. So water quality stuff, adoption bills that were kind of contentious. Um, and then other measures like the that bill that passed the Senate to to fund special or cover the cost of special elections, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which would apply to to Sean Duffy's um, va- sure. vacancy, uh, and other things like that. So there's a lot legislatively that can still happen in the next three months. This months is just you know a question of what actually gets done. Right. Um, they're still fighting over funding for homelessness initiatives. Mm-hmm. Um, which is another one of those issues that you think in theory people will be able to agree on, but gets kind of muddled down and watered down in the details. And speaking of task forces, we were also, I think, seeing kind of the startup of the climate change task force, which uh, has also been a source of fighting between the parties. Uh, Governors introduced some pretty big proposals on climate change, um, some of which I think may get some support across the aisle, but some of which definitely will not. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be one to watch. Um, okay, so I'm, I, I kind of wanted to ask you to come up with like a, with a New Year's resolution for the Capitol, but I don't know if that's a little too, uh, too on the nose. So I'm going to ask you what story you are looking forward to covering most or, or among you know, the most in 2020. I mean, it's got to be the DNC. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is, I've never covered a convention before. I know you have, Jesse. Um, but I'm very, very excited to uh, get in it's there. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, be overwhelmed. And- it's so overwhelming. <laughs> I actually have this like weird complex about having it here because mm-hmm. it was fun covering uh, the RNC in 2016 mm-hmm. in Cleveland because you're, you know, coming into a new city mm-hmm. and, um, you know, kind of you're a visitor and you're experiencing this in the same way that everyone else is. But it feels like there's added pressure to be a journalist from the state where mm. the convention is happening. Um, and just, you know, logistically, like the travel, like I'm just I'm getting very anxious about right. all of it. I mean, but it's got, also very exciting. We've got to use the home turf advantage. Yes. Yeah. But also, yeah, I think the commute, it, if you're planning on commuting into Milwaukee daily, yeah. I think that, that's rough. That would be. Yeah, that would be tough. Okay, uh-huh. for you then, yes. you did the great, you know, the great service to all of us of interviewing <laughs> all of the 2018 Democratic gubernatorial candidates. There were so many. Can you commit today to, <laughs> to trying to get all of the Democratic presidential candidates? Oh, I, I, will, I will commit to trying. I would. I this is a, this is my open invitation to all 
candidates running for president in 2020 come on the Why Did She's podcast. It was really fun interviewing all the candidates in, in 2018. Um, and we got all the Democrats who were running. We got Scott Walker who was running. Um, I would love to do the same and find out everyone's favorite beers and cheeses and um, favorite places. I mean, it would really be a good test of their Wisconsin knowledge and their commitment to the state. So um, yes, I will, I will definitely commit to trying <laughs> to get all of them. I, I hope that we can at least get a few. It'd be really fun. That would be really cool. Yeah. Um, any fun plans for the holidays for you? Not really. Just sticking around here and yeah, trying to relax. <laughs> we we have both have had the experience of our parents moving from mm-hmm. where we grew up in northeastern Wisconsin to the Madison area. So no trips up north anymore. Yeah, it's really disappointing, actually. Um, yeah, it's kind of nice to get out of here for a little <laughs> yeah, while. Uh, we'll make the most of it. But well, thanks for taking some time away from all the goings on across the street and hanging out with me on wedge issues. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Wedge Issues. Our theme music is Oh Wisconsin by Loxley. I'll be taking a holiday break for the next few weeks, and we'll be back with new episodes at the beginning of January. In the meantime, if you have any feedback or suggestions for me, you can find me on Twitter at jessieop, or you can email me at jopoien at madison.com. You can also check out our other Cat Times podcasts, like Live from Idea Fest, The Corner Table, and The Mad Splainers. Whatever you celebrate, I wish you all the happiest of holidays and a happy new year. This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com.